So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? I don't know, like touching flowers, is it moving? Like, no, nah, feel free locked up. Sounds like you're fucked, dude. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to my Money Podcast. It's another week. We're doing the thing uh, <laughs> that we do in here. Uh, talk about podcasts and talk about mopeds and get into all the weird things that are going on in the community right now. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, it's been a weird week. I bought another moped. I shouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> I keep telling myself I'm not buying more, and then they pop up, and they're just good deals. And like, I got another decent looking Tomos LX for like two fifty. Like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, they're just throwing it at me. Maybe they're get, just like making me buy it. I'm like, I, I, I don't want it, but I figured if I get this for two fifty, and like. You know, I clean it up and, like, see what's wrong with it and, like, you know, kick it down the road to someone else who might really want it. Like, that'll give me, like, you know, 200 bucks to put into, like, that last Tomos LX I bought last week that I really want to keep. So, I'm like, all right, cool. That makes sense, I guess, you know. Spend more money to, like, give myself some, like, free moped money. Because that's the, that's the goal, right? To not spend your own real hard-earned money in mopeds because the hobby is a deep... Uh, <laughs> bottomless pit if you make it <laughs> so my one of my goals is always uh you know use use the mopeds or use the hobby to try to like support itself <laughs> it doesn't it does definitely doesn't always work <laughs> but uh we already have our guest on the show today and it's uh jordan who was just on the pinball run flying too close to the sun so why don't you uh, introduce yourself, dude, and tell everyone who you are. Hey, uh, I'm Jordan from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, kind of affiliated with Dopeheads and Dead Possums and kind of all the Omaha crews, kind of roll with all of them. Um, yeah, I just got off of Baker's Dozen, and that was awesome. Uh, it was definitely a learning experience for sure. Um, like, I kind of sold it to my boss as a once-in-a-lifetime experience in order to get the time off of work, but we're already, like, kind of planning our experience for next time and like what what to do different what to do better so yeah. i mean they gotta um, let you run it back dude you gotta redeem yourself right exactly yeah it's like i, I did it and now i got that close the first time so now i have to go back and win yeah Hell yeah well let's um let's let's kind of get into like uh your moped history dude where you came from and where you started and how you got into it like i know uh one of the first times i really like came across you on the internet was um I'm, i was looking back through your facebook posts and kind of seeing some of the stuff you did and i was like damn i remember when that purple derby variant dropped with the water cooled shit and i was like that bike is wild yeah yeah that thing is like uh i kind of built it and now i kind of i just kind of got distracted with other projects and i need to put the, the tuning time in on it and it's like it's just really fast and loud and scary and i'm good at like riding it to the top of my alley and getting spooked out and then like going and putting it back and thinking about what to do next it's like yeah the so, last thing you want to do is like blow it up right away yeah yeah i mean it's a 400 hundred dollar cylinder and i'm trying to avoid blowing that yeah so 
Yeah, but I was but like, yeah. when I was like, damn, dude, when I first saw that bike, I was like, that shit looks so cool. It was like, no one's put like the, I think it's like the free spirit seat on a variant. I was like, dude, that, that seat works really well. Like it had the crossbar, like the, the water cooled, like, you know, radiator mount was like really different than like most people do it. I was like, yeah, that looks kind of, I like the little style to that, you know, a little extra swag. Yeah. But yeah, man. So how'd you get into mopeds, bro? Um, I first got a maxi back in, it would have been, uh, 2014. And I've not just been like, I was in school and stuff and like looking for a way to get around. And like, I'm um, now that ended up, I saw there's, um, Ed from Ed's moped shop here in town. I actually saw one of his bikes on Craigslist and it was like kind of out of my budget. So I was just kind of like kept looking around on Craigslist. And like shortly after that, like, the, one of the, like an Omaha Mopeds Facebook group popped up and I like posted on there kind of looking for a bike. And, um, uh, somebody hit me up with uh, a maxi to sell. And, um, basically it was not running, but it was already like pretty like built to the gills. Like already like had the illusion powder coat and everything on it. Pliny kit rebuilt Simonini pipe and just like pretty built already. And I go and get this thing. And like, it's a headache for the first like month or so trying to figure out like what the hell I'm doing with it, trying to get it running. Yeah. Um, and like, I know I'm like, what, like probably 21 or so at the time. And like, I didn't have a whole lot of mechanical experience, but like I grew up in like a gearhead family and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. like in the blood, my old man's helping me out a lot with this stuff. And like, basically we get it going and probably about a month and a half or so later, I end up blowing the crankshaft because I had been running it without any transmission fluid. Ah. I didn't know any better. Yeah. So, but then uh, we rebuild it and then it's, kind of off to the races from there it's like later on that year i kind of get into some of the first rallies i've been to and like i'm now just kind of seeing what it is and it's like i'm not realizing yeah go no that's sick that that you just dove in so deep right out the gates too it's like it's like it's hard it's definitely harder to like come in with like a bike that's already built up because because you have to figure out exactly what the other person did like sometimes yeah. it's easier to just build a bike yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, I feel like if I had started off with a stock bike, like, I don't know that it would have bitten me as hard, I guess. Cause yeah. it's like you, you get into it and it's like, this thing does like 50 something. And then like riding a stock moped after that, it's like, I was kind of chasing that, you know? Yeah. That's like kind of um, the, the positive side of like when people do start with stock bikes or start with like, you know, milder builds and then like, they incrementally like make it faster. They like see the gains as they go. But like the people who come out, come out the gates, like, Oh cool. I bought like a, like an Ed's moped, you know, bike, all his bikes are built out. You know, you buy like some ripper out the gates and like, you never want to go back the other way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, the next bike I bought, like, I got, like, a, a stock V1, and then, like, I'm trying to build that up to, like, something similar, like, about as quick, and it's, like, pulling my hair out trying to make it work, and eventually I got it, but, like, it's still just, like, there's a lot more to it than you kind of think it is after you're, like, coming in with something that's already, like, relatively quick. hmm Yeah. But- yeah. So that so that was a cool first bike though, like the or second bike I should say. Like uh so you came yeah. in with a ripper and you blew out the seal, like you had to like rebuild it and all that stuff yourself, or did you like find help like in the community back then? Uh I re- well, like 
me and my dad rebuilt it. Um, went and replaced the crankshaft and everything on it. So, um, yeah, then it was just kind of dealing with all the problems that come with like a built ass, like RPM monster E50. Cause that was like cleaning and Simonini. So it was like, we were doing like 12 grand or so. So it's like, I was definitely chasing the clutch game for a while. Mm-hmm. It kept on clutches and stuff, but like, I don't know. You kind of figure out like a, a reasonable appetite of like, this is like, things I was going to go through and now everything else is aware I am basically <laughs> so yeah we know we got so many hours on this clutch and before it's toast yes exactly yeah I don't know sometimes you get lucky and like one of them will just like last forever yeah <laughs> but then like you blow something else up and then like you put it back together with a lot of the same components and then like something else blows again like pretty quickly and it's just like if it ain't one thing it's another <laughs> pretty yeah. much like I really love like the platform in E50. I think they're like the simplicity of how, like the motor themselves and how easy they are to work on is great. But then like I always feel like when you build them out, like I I, I always kind of run into the same issues with like the clutch bell or the clutch bearing, or the clutch bushing, or like the giant C clip popping out, and like all these like all those little parts in the clutch. I feel like are always like the weak links that that I hit like when I build an E50. Yeah, I'm kind of of the mindset of just like minimalizing that stuff. I, just, I don't run a starter plate or that clip or anything, and just do pull start on all of my all of the all the quick ones anyway. Yeah, I mean, it definitely saves you some trouble in the, in the long run because like if that clip pops out and then it falls into like the rest of the motor and gets all chewed up and it's just so much headache. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, so what was that? There's other headache. Yeah. So what was like a bike you the bikes you got into like after that? Um, so first one was a maxi. Then I had that, um, got about the V1. Then next bike I bought was like a QT 50, which I ended up just like, didn't do shit to. And like sold it shortly later after that. Um, then I had got a Moto Guzzi Robin, which is still kind of just sitting in my garage that I haven't done shit with after several years. <laughs> um, oh, then I think I got not really sure what the, where the timeline goes from there. I got like a, a Maxi N. Got I got that going. I did that up with like the Peugeot 103 mags with like super skinny tires and made kind of a sprinter bike, and that was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, then a little bit after that, started kind of getting into the derby game. Like that purpley one. Um, Ed actually found that out of like St. Louis, I think. Um, it was, it was like a project bike and he was like, Hey, kind of passed that deal on to me. And, um, so I built that up and it was like a Gila piston port and I uh, just kept raking clutches and shit on that. Like, so that kind of, I basically feel like I reached the limit of the piston port motors and then kind of, that's when I kind of started getting into building up like the Revo that I have on that now with the water cooled setup. Yeah. Um, so other than that, um, Building some, got a, a kook, um, a derby SLEX for the girlfriend. Um, we got like a Navanti Super Bravo, like a Vespa. Um, what else is there? I got like a little Samadhi with a V1 on it. Um, what else is like the other like weird bike I got going on right now? It's a Tenturi City bike mm-hmm. that I did a mono shot conversion on. Um, and that one's kind of like my, my circuit racing bike. I'm going to 
do for like Muppet GP stuff. Yeah. Um, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely dove deep, dude, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like but, the bug bit hard and you started buying all the bikes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like my, my rally blaster for the last few years was that a rigid free spirit that we flipped on the way back from a Chicago rally. And like I had my uh, cleaning motor on that. And like that was riding that thing around full rigid and stuff. And that's actually the bike I ended up uh, kind of adapting into the, the Baker's bike. Okay. So, yeah. I like the big frames are cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to kill my ass for, for miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was uh I know like Nebraska has like, such a sick like moped scene like Ed, Ed's Moped Club I mean Ed's Moped Shop and the club there has been like you know fostering that scene for years. So was it did you did you find the community relatively like quickly after you got into it? I know you said you saw one of his bikes, but it's kind of out of your price range. But were you riding with them and hanging out like once you got those first two bikes? Yeah, pretty much. Like we, I ended up like after like me messing with my my maxi for like a month or so trying to get it start take it over to Ed's and like he basically shows me that I was the starter lever off and start to it up. <laughs> so that was kind of learning the tricks of it, I guess. But like, so basically that same year that I got into Mopeds, like uh, they had the, like the dead possums, they kind of had their first rally that year, like rally of the corn. And um, it seemed like a bunch of people kind of locally kind of got into it at the same time. And it was pretty cool. So it's like, and there was like rides going on pretty regularly and there was like a couple of different shops and stuff that were to kind of hang out at and like where there was a little community kind of building out from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was pretty cool to be a part of. I mean, it, it's kind of like, it seems like it slowed down a little bit in the last couple of years, like the, the COVID and whatever. And it's like, but it's picking back up again. Like I, I need a, I want to try and get like a regular ride night going on at some point, but yeah. it's just doing it, you know? No, yeah, I understand. Like having a regular ride night, like in a, in a town's like what really helps build the community. I think the most. And yeah, it, the last couple of years is definitely hard. I know, like Richmond, our scene kind of like got older, and a lot of people moved or like kind of phased out. And our the consistency of our ride nights kind of fell off. But yeah. We still kind of like have a couple of random group shops that are close by. So everyone that is into it, you know, knows where the hangouts are at. And we can like, you know, we have our group chat. And that's kind of we can host our rides now. It's like, oh, like who's trying to ride today? And the, but like the consistent like weekly ride over and over where you meet at the same spot. Everyone knows where it's at. And like it's super visible to the community is like the best way to like keep it going. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, <laughs> so you guys are hanging out. You're you're riding the shops, and like you're seeing this the scene kind of come up together. Like, did you, you said you weren't really affiliated with a club per se, but you were kind of around everyone. Yeah, well, it's like one of the shops I was hanging out with. It's like um, my buddy Ben. He had a like a screen printing shop slash like sticker shop and stuff. So like we'd print out like a whole bunch of like he printed out a whole bunch of like dope heads, like shirts and like swag and stuff like that. And like, we just kind of handed those out at like all the rallies we went to. And like, I know I got a dope head sweatshirt. So I was basically like repping them now. So that was cool. <laughs> and like, yeah, I mean like them and then like, just like the different flavors of like the groups in town. It's like, we'd kind of be like shit birdie with the dope heads. But then like when I was trying to do like, 
whatever like race tuning and stuff i'd go hang out with the possums just cause, like those dudes are super knowledgeable mm-hmm. like just learning as much as you can from different groups because everybody kind of has their, their stuff that they all excel in and it's cool to be yeah. a part of yeah you know? I love like scenes that have like multiple clicks because it's you know everyone has you know people you want to hang out with or you're, the, the people you fit in with the best, but it's always mopeds and we can always come back together, which is always rad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like that's the thing. It's like you go to rallies and stuff, and it's like I don't know finding whatever like weird common shit you have and stuff you have in common with people, but then like always being able to talk about mopeds and it comes back to that. Like that's like the great unifier of all this, and it's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's like, you know, no matter what rally you're at, like, you're, you're going to get along with everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always, like, somebody who's, like, being more of a shipper than everybody else and starting stuff. But, like, it's it's always a good time, though. You know, it's just part of it. It's rolling with it. It's fine. Yeah. So, I'm assuming, like, you were hitting the hitting the rallies in town. When did you start, like, traveling out of, out of state to go to, like, other rallies? Um, That was probably... Like my second year of mopeds, I think the first out of town rally I went to was like, um, like Sioux Falls, South Dakota, like the Green Bastards. They had like a like a local Sioux Falls rally. I think in like 2015. I think that was my first one, and I think I went to my first Top Fest that year, like out of, in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely cool. Just like realizing like how big the scene is, and just kind of going from there, and just like. I don't know, making friends in all these different places across the country. It's cool as shit. Yeah. And were you like active on the forums back then? I mean, kind of. I mean, I've always like, I've been like super active, but I've always like, I'll kind of post up about like something weird that I'm doing or like seeking advice on like just whatever goofy shit I'm trying to do at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like the the Facebook groups have been like a pretty big part of it too. Just like having like the little local groups and just like seeing like people post stuff about their own stuff and like that seems where a lot of like the the ride nights and stuff kind of originated. Mm-hmm. Just like that shit to organize pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely like um, an easier resource I can see at times. Like the forum's cool for like archiving and keeping all these things going and like being a search, but like. Social oh, media has like definitely become like easy to use, like mobily and on your phone, and like you know access it quickly, and like all the different groups that are like divided by you know the lovers for this bike or this bike or this bike. So you yeah. can get like you can really narrow it in. Yeah, I'm not just like reading about like whatever like weird build they did back in like California in like the early 2000s and stuff, and now like realizing that like i'm just like finally starting to get to that level of technology in the midwest <laughs> now it's like it's like you find whatever old like blog spot post from like 2011 that's like oh i guess there's no new ideas yeah like i i love that that's the one thing i do love about moped army you can go on moped army and you can search the 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 Polini like porting maps from that people were doing like ten years ago and you're like yeah they they had it already unlocked like all the things yeah. that you want to do have already been done and they're archived on Open Army you can find it that's like I was never like big in the posting but I was big into the lurk and I would always be like just reading the performance section and reading the repair section I didn't even know there was a general discussion for like the first like five years. Something crazy yeah. like that. I never, I never opened that tab. I was like, oh, general discussion. I don't care about that. I, w- I want to know about the performance and the tuning. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, how do I repair these bikes? Like, that's what I was like looking at. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just like, especially doing like speed run stuff. Just hearing about like the the different, like, just seeing people do like, oh, well, this person was the first person to hit seventy, like back in like two thousand whatever, and then like this person was doing seventy five or seventy eight or whatever, and it's like it's cool just how like the bars keeps getting raised over time. And it's like, they're like, am I raising the bar now? Like what the fuck? You know, <laughs> it's cool. You definitely have to be raising the bar. Like if we, if we dive not to like super fast forward, but like diving into like your bakers buzzing, like it's cool that the bakers is happening. It's cool that they're keeping this thing alive. Like after all these years with the, being the pinball and like going to bakers and all this stuff. And I wish there was a way for us to like, it was like televised or some film crew or something to like really document the shit out of this thing where we could like watch it in real time. That'd be so sick. I don't think it'll ever get that big. Maybe one day we get some sponsors or something to dive in. Someone, some, someone with money to back it, but just watching on glimpse that first day, seeing you hit 78 miles an hour on a pook, like, blew everyone's mind everyone's like i remember when like you know my my boys in black Black did the first baker's dozen i meant the first pinball a couple like back then i think they did one two they did a couple of them and they hit like 72 or 74 or something on a cobra and everyone was like losing their minds and then like i'm watching it this year i'm like 78 is this real (laughs) like are we what's happening right now dude yeah that's like uh one of the because one of the guys from my cold trailers, like he was watching on Glimpse, and like he said he saw like 82 online. So like I don't know oh, how shit. accurate that is. <laughs> like I've seen some people saying like Glimpse is kind of like inaccurate with like sometimes how the GPS updates and stuff. But like if I'm flirting with 78, 82 isn't out of the question. Yeah. So like that's <laughs> like a slightly downhill. Down you know, you're tough yeah. just right. The little tailwind pushes you a little bit. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just fucking geared tall as shit yeah. it's like every time every day like i was the last one out of town like every time out of town out of the stop but then as soon as it gets out the highway i'm just like passing everybody and then i'm pretty much gone until they see me on the side of the road <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny man so 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 you got like in the performance tuning and stuff like right out the gates you're pretty much just like into that like how long did it take you where you really felt confident with your builds? Cause I feel like a lot of like new riders, you know, they, they, they want to learn to work on the bikes. They want to do a little of this and a little of that, but sometimes they get frustrated with the the time it takes to learn all these things and not have, you're always going to have problems cause it's mopeds, but yeah. like until you learn the tricks of the trade and like what causes what and like diet, how to diagnose the issues I feel like that's that's what really gives you the confidence once you learn how to diagnose the problems you're having. Yeah. So how um, long did it take for you? I don't know. It's still probably like a couple of years in. I mean, there's some stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, my clutch is going out again. I know what that feels like. But then there's other stuff where it's like you're just chasing it forever. Like, like what is going on with this? Why is it doing this? Especially once you get into like weird, like little like – I don't know. I started like porting cylinders without really knowing what I was doing as much as I should have. I feel like we, I, you got to, you got to like, <laughs> you yeah. have to blindly take a cheap cylinder and just, and just grind at it with a Dremel and see what it does. <laughs> you know, yeah. run it stock, take it back off and case match it, run it again yeah. and see how much it changed and take it back off, port it some. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like, 
I basically just like a buddy told me that if you raise your exhaust, then you'll get more RPMs. So like I kind of went at my Polini. That was like my main bike at the time <laughs> like that. So it's like, it was super fun when the pipe hit, but then like I was, it just got so like uh peaky that like getting the clutch to play like right with that was just such a pain in the ass. I kept like blowing clutches and like chasing that dragon again. So it's mm-hmm. like, and then like, I don't know, by the time I figure something out there, then like the fucking ring pin walks out on the piston or like something else stupid happens. And it's just like, if it ain't one thing, it's another, but it's like, so one of the things that I've kind of enjoyed is with, with cleaning kits, especially is people will seize them and they're trash and, but then they aren't actually trash. So <laughs> I've got, I've got my probably like three or four cleaning kits that are free mm-hmm. and I clean them up with like some sandpaper and shit. And like, still got them going like 60 something, you know, and it's, it's cool. Yeah. Just kind of figuring out the process there. Yeah, see, trying to bring a. I feel like that's always a, a fun part about mopeds too. Like when you do have the C, you do have that one, you know, cylinder that goes on you. Like the ingenuity of trying to like keep the bike, keep it alive as long as you can. <laughs> I remember yeah. breaking, completely breaking a skirt, like on a on a Hobbit Athena kit, and I was just like, man, like this is the second time I've done this, like. I don't want to buy another kit. Like the whole cylinder didn't look horrible, but the skirt was trash. So I just cut it off. I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't go below the skirt anyway when it's in the bike. Like it doesn't really need it. So I cut it off and I, and I chamfered the, the, the ends where I cut it and I ran a hone through it and it, and it ran for another two years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've had a plane like that and it's like this, should not be as quick as it is, but it is. So I'm just going to roll. It. <laughs> it's like, just throw a little more oil in there. I think it'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. I, um, yeah, recently I had like Caesar, Caesar kit and I can't remember what I did, but I had seized it and I was like trying to fix it. I ran a, I ran a shit out of a home for it. It was the bike. I took the, um, to the wizards rally. I seized my hobbit and, and I was like, I honed the shit out of it. And like the piston wouldn't drop through, which is like another pro tip for those out there listening. When you do get new kits or you are trying to see if an old kit is going to work or not, you the you got to do a piston drop test where you just drop the piston without a ring through your cylinder. And the piston should fall all the way through it without getting caught up. And yeah, my piston like would not like pass the ring, the, the drop test. Like it kept getting stuck in one spot, stuck in one spot. And I like just kept honing the shit out of it and like it runs now, but I know it's not right. I know it's like, there's definitely a spot that I hone too much and it's real loose and then, it, and then it's kind of tight and then it's kind of loose. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds, it's, it runs, but it sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just save, just trying to save, save these things are, 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 that's half the fun too, you know, like how, how can you like save, like spending money on parts is easy and, but like, you know, the free mods and like trying to like keep things alive and keep it going, you know, I'd rather yeah. spend 50 on a piston than another 200 on a cylinder. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like the other trick that I thought of with uh, the piston drop test is like, for the most part, it's like you kind of stick your palm up against like um, 
the ceiling surface of it, or where the head would go, up like the deck. Mm-hmm. And like it hits that little puff of air and slows down, like from ceiling with your palm. Like it probably should have enough compression to be able to run, even if it's like scored as shit. Like that's that's been pretty true for me. But if it still will hold enough air with the piston just falling down, that it, like it, it hits that pocket and it kind of slows down a little bit there, then it's had enough compression. So. <laughs> It's like, who needs compression testers? That's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, while you're, like, building these bikes and you're getting better and getting better at it, are you, like, following, like... Because I, I know a lot of us kind of just wing it. Like, I know for a long time I've just winged it. Like, you know, you, you put the stuff together, you tighten it, or are you, like, learning all the little defined details of it, like, you know, setting your ring gap and, like... Because I know you said you, you were just porting without without any knowledge, but did you start like checking your port timing and setting the ring gap and doing all the the finer details, like you know, using yeah. actually using torque wrenches? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I haven't really ever like used torque wrenches a whole lot, and I've been like pretty lucky. I've like only broken like one stud, and like it. I don't know. It's it's one of those things I should probably get in the habit of it. And like there are still some times where I use it, but like if I'm just like torquing like head nuts down, it's like there's tight enough and then you run it and you tighten it again and it's probably all right. So, but like, I'm not figuring out the different tricks and stuff. It's like winter here kind of sucks. So I feel like I, that was like what I did a lot of the time was just like fucking doing whatever weird bullshit on the forums and just like searching around and like just doing my research and stuff. And that kind of, that kind of went a long ways. I feel like, um, it's like figuring out like, Oh, if you get your clutch bell welded, like the, the gear welded to it, that's one less spot where it's going to try and spin the gear on your clutch bell. And it's like, I don't know, just like seeing like the different technology and stuff kind of as it dropped at the same time, like, oh, everybody's getting like the needle bearing clutch bells now and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, just learning the different tricks. And just like, I don't know, I remember like the first time, like, um, like when I, so I put HPI for the first time on my maxi and it's like figuring out like, why can I not time this right? Like what is going on here? And then it's like, my Ed came over and like showed me a trick where it's like, I got to like seat the flywheel fully on the, the crankshaft before I tighten it down. Like mm-hmm. make sure that it doesn't want to like the flywheel doesn't spin on the shaft and stuff. And it's just like figuring out the different tricks and stuff for it. And then it's like, you kind of over time, like you kind of learned them out of necessity. It's like, Oh yeah, I can, I need to change my clutch in 15 minutes. I'm just going to lean the bike over. That way I don't have to drain my food or anything. Yeah. Uh. That's like fun parts about mopeds, dude. Just all the little tricks, all the little roadside things you can do to keep your bike going or do a quick repair. Yeah. Stuff's always interesting. Yeah. You just like, I don't know, when like you go to the rally and you see somebody else doing something and you're like, what the fuck are they doing? That's weird. And it's like, it hits you. It's like, oh, that's actually pretty smart. Why did not ever think of that? Yeah. What are a couple? What are a couple of those things that you've seen that you like that really stood out to you? Um. No, I'm kind of drawing a blank right now. I've definitely had that happen to me before. People were like, "What are you doing with your bike on the side like that?" And they're like, "Oh, you're changing your clutch real quick." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely um, seen the um the uh the spark plug cap. Where where you pull out a new a new plug and it still has a little metal cap on the end, and I remember being at a rally and seeing Calvin from the Buzzards like put that like on his on his rear sprocket and roll the tire backwards 
so that the chain held that little plat that little metal piece and then he unscrewed it and i was like oh my god like it it was like in the middle of the pack and it blew my mind i was like dude that's sick yeah using the chains to clamp hell yeah yeah that like watching people like you know start mopeds with a with a with one tire against someone's flywheel like or, yep. or rear tire to rear tire you're like what like that's a thing <laughs> yeah well it's cool because it's like stuff like that you just never figure out on your own it's like when like you get enough people together and like enough stupid shit happens and then something cool comes out of it <laughs> yeah dude i remember dude i was i i when I was at that wizard rally and I broke down, I went to this, the random guy's house to fix my bike. I don't even think I talked about this on the podcast after it happened, but, um, I remember being in the guy's driveway and we're trying to like, I was trying to like get, get my flywheel off to try to check timer, get something off. I was trying to get something off like the, Oh, I was trying to get off the clutch or the clutch belt nut or whatever. And I was like, dude, I don't have, I didn't have a piston stop on me. And I was like, Oh, I don't have a piston stop on me. And, like, I asked the guy if he had, like, any rope laying around because, like, that was one of the first moped tricks I'd ever saw, like, when I got into it. Like, my homie, all my little friends that were working on mopeds, no, no one in Richmond had a piston stop, apparently. And everyone was just using rope and put stuff in the cylinder. And I was like, yo, you got any rope? And the guy gave it to me, and it worked, you know? I was like, dude, I haven't done this in, like, 10 years. <laughs> But yeah, we pulled the plug, man. Just packed it full of some rope, and it, and you know, it works like a piston stop. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, like, I don't do it on Baker's. Is like, um, my, well, my clutch belt seats on my crank, and like, I couldn't get that off, and I was like trying to figure that out, and I ended up making a puller out of like bailing wire and scrapping it around the clutch belt like a whole bunch, and then going through like a clutch puller and using that to like pull off the seats. <laughs> oh, dude, that's sick. So I just pulled the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. God, it's so funny. Like, like mopeds definitely make you have to be, become like some like MacGyver to figure out some stuff sometimes. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, especially like it was cool just like on the side of the mountain, like when I'm trying to like fucking rebuild my motor, just like the different like the different way that I feel like I went about it than I would if I was like just rebuilding it in my basement. Yeah. You know, it's like. I mean, I'm trying to make everything as good as it would be in my basement, but I'm also just like, we're doing this on a gravel road, and like fighting dust and all this shit. And it's like, there's all these like trucks and trailers like hauling ass down this gravel road, throwing up rocks and dust and everything. And like, my girlfriend had like an umbrella and she's like shielding us from the dust to try and keep it from getting into the motor. I think I saw a picture of that, you guys on the side of the road with an umbrella. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the first rebuild of the day. <laughs> oh, man. So let's kind of yeah. let's kind of dive into let's kind of dive into the Baker's man. Like, uh, what what made you want to do Baker's doesn't run? Um, I thought it seemed like something that'd be pretty cool to do. And then, like, as soon as like they dropped the, the location this year, the route that they're starting in Nebraska, it's like this is happening. This is our year. This, we're going to do this. So, like, basically, like fucking. That happened. I think he dropped the route in like December or something like that. And then it's like basically from then, it's like I'm already like planning the, the bike out. And I'm like, shit, I started like cutting the weight too. Like I'm the bruise, like probably like 40 pounds or so just to make it easy <laughs> to get over the mountain. Yeah, it's a smart move. Like we always talk about it. Like if you want to make your moped faster, the number one thing you can do is lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> like those guys are 100 pounds soaking wet. You know, you're like, 
you know, you get a little jealous of him sometimes when you're at the rally, you're a big boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like, how's this guy doing 55 on a TCCD kit? Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> Jockey status. <man. laughs> yeah. So so you decided to do the Baker's Dozen Run because you found out the route was going to be close to you guys starting in your town or in your state, which is yeah. always a good reason to do it. That's also why I love that they move the routes around and they change it every year. So, like, it gives different people across the country the opportunity to be a part of it. Yeah, but um, yeah. you guys made the decision to do it. Did you have a who was who's your team, and how did you decide on who was going to come with you? Um, I asked a couple. There's a couple of people I was thinking about in town, and I asked if they were down, and like, I don't know. Like, I asked Ed, my keys said, like, just didn't really feel like riding that long, which I don't really blame him because that's a fucking long ass ride on a bike that's not really meant for touring, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kind of it turned into like, like the bike that I wanted to build, like or the bike that I was going to do for it. Like it just kind of got stupid enough that like nobody else really wanted to ride it, I guess. Cause it was like rigid and just kind of sketchy in general. Um, like, I don't know. It's like my girlfriend doesn't even feel that comfortable riding that bike just cause it's like not that comfortable. <laughs> yeah. What made you decide to use the rigid frame for for Bakersfield? Because most people that are doing Bakersfield, especially the the veterans in it, I think always a lot of them their first decision is always based on comfort. Yeah, comfort um, and, and gas. <laughs> well, it was the uh, like the, that was like my rally blaster for like the last couple of years, and like the the frame had like cracked and shit, and I'm like welding the frame back together again and stuff, and like. Um, again, then I decided to like weld on a crossbar and then I put the mounts on for like that big old like silver tank on it. That ended up being like seven gallons. So like, I'm not necessarily like what made me decide to do the rigid, maybe just like spite, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, to prove it could be done. <laughs> yes. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I was going to run the rigid front end on it too. But then when I was going through it, I found a couple of cracks on my forks and like Ed decided to uh, sponsor me with Ed's moped shop. He had a set of almost forks lying around that I threw on there. So that funny story on that is like those ended up like, I realized like day two, we're at like Jenny Ray's house in Rapid City and the forks are not compressing or releasing at all. It's like the forks are locked up. So it's basically back to full rigid like it's been for the last couple of years. Yeah. So, well, yeah. you want to you explain everyone the uh, the build and the setup you had that you know so we can so we can kind of envision the bike. Um. Yeah. So rigid free spirit, like just like the standard like blue one that seemed like there was a bunch of in like Iowa and Chicago area. Um. But like I chopped the frame like a couple of years back, and then I slammed the seat down and put like a free spirit seat, um or like one of like the one point five seats on it for a while. Um. But, like, once I kind of heard about bakers and stuff, I'm just, like, realizing it's, like, for the the goals that I'm trying to hit, just, like, the aerodynamics of it can play a pretty big effect on that. So, like, I got a bunch of, like, aluminum sheet metal and, like, tried my hand at, like, hammering out some aluminum fairings and stuff. And I did not do very good at that. I just made a bunch of, like, lumpy pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> but 
I've not like the, the sheet I ended up making was just some sheet metal aluminum. And like, I feel like that turned out pretty decent. Put like some foam and like some gel layers on that and covered it with like some felt, some waterproofing on it. Um, but like that and the only other really like frame modification was adding like that big old tank on it. And where the, um, where the tank come from? Cause this thing's a monster. It's humongous. Yeah. It's like just some like eBay, like hot rod slash like, um, what is it? Like the, like some like tractor, like hot rod, dually, like dune buggy tank or something. I just searched a fun aluminum gas tank on eBay and then found one that kind of seemed like it would fit on the bike and then making it fit from there. Nice. So, but it's cool. That held seven gallons of gas. Yeah. It's like six and three quarter about. Yeah. That's huge. That's a big tank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I probably filled up more than I needed to, but like I could probably go like, over 200 miles without filling up with no problems so i mean that's a yeah. key that's a key part of the race like the time it takes people to refill you know can definitely yeah. eat into the eat into the clock a little bit yeah well it's like in my head like i like kind of planned on like if i could, if i can one shot this like just going from like start to finish like that should probably be pretty good like a lot of those days i was able to but like it ended up being like um i would stop for like fucking with the bike like whatever like fixing whatever issue and like one day it was grabbing a coat from the van and stuff and just like yeah it, it was it's crazy because like on like my bikes around town and stuff just like regular mopeds it's mm-hmm. like that's always kind of in the back of your mind like oh this is how much gas i have uh, i probably have like you know like half hour 45 minutes before i need to be home or something like that like yeah. that's how much gas i have whereas like with that giant tank it's like that's just gone like that's <laughs> not a worry anymore it's pretty cool yeah that's rad. I know, like yeah. we've all we've all been there. We've all made that mistake where you like you know you leave the house thinking you have enough gas to go on a ride, and like you find yourself walking a couple hours later. Yep, yep. I've done that push like a fair bit. <laughs> yeah, walk of shame for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you got the rigid free spirit. You you've made your own seat. You found this this giant monster tank on the internet. <laughs> Uh, what, and you got sponsored by the forks that ended up being rigid. Uh, uh, what about the motor? What was, what was the, the engine build? Uh, motor is just kind of standard E50 Gila build. It's like treat crank, uh, Gila that ported some, um, ended up doing like the, um, added some little finger ports on the intake. And, um, that cylinder that I started off with was the same one that I got on my Gila piston port like used like with a pile of parts with it and i had it on like gila derby and i got it to rev out to like fourteen thousand or something like that um and then i, I blew up that motor uh, on the, the piston port derby then i built up an e50 with that with that same cylinder and i ended up um blowing a crankshaft and shooting a hole through the crankcase and um got that welded back up and that was the same case and the same cylinder that I was running for the race. For that's the most wild. Part. Yeah. That's it, been through jet for yeah. sure. But like, fucking like, keeps ripping. Like you wouldn't think someone would start with like, uh, with, with motor parts that have already been through it. You know, most, you think most guys are going to come in like with everything new and fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, I've not, I've, like I ended up uh, changing to uh, like a new cylinder later on in the race, just cause like I've, um, the one of the exhaust studs I pulled out of the cylinder, but like I totally plan on that kind of like retapping those and like getting that cylinder back on. <laughs> that's it. Really. 
yeah. Did you? Uh, I have two questions. Uh, what pipe were you running? Um. So the pipe that I was running for the most of the time was uh, was a, a Gianelli scooter pipe that I like hack and welded up to like part of a Pook Simonini header. And like that was kind of all swooping around on there. And um, on the last day, I ended up um, basically cracking that pipe pretty ma- majorly. Like it cracked probably like more than 100% of the way around. Damn. And just like a weird like spiral crack. And like it was kind of held together by like the silencer mount. Um, so yeah, I took on the last day, I took that pipe off and rode probably like the last. 130 miles no exhaust pipe at all <laughs> so, oh my god that's insane <laughs> yeah it was loud as shit but it was still like so when i took the pipe off i went back up to like the taller gearing that i was running on the first day and it was still doing like 55 i think i got like 62 out of it with no pipe like that's, downhill that's wild that's like one thing yeah. i would never think was even possible <laughs> yeah I feel like with right? two stroke you need the pipe to like to build the to build rpms like the resonance and stuff <laughs> yeah well, it's like powers in the ports too. I mean, like I figure like there's like the capability of like how high the cylinder can pull, but then like the pipe just adds to that, like adds or takes away and just like puts it in a different spot. But like just on its own, like the pipe is going to have, or um, the, the cylinder. cylinder is going to have more power. Yeah. It's like, I figured that out like a couple of years ago. Like um, I had like my, my Pliny 50 and like, I'd like fucking, uh, the Pulsar I was running was just like wrapping um, a cord around some bolts I had sticking out the flywheel with like a skateboard wheel attached to it. And that was like, I would just pull on that and that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, basically one time the, the my cord got like snagged on it. So it's like spinning a skateboard wheel around at engine RPM and it just like fucking dents the shit out of my pipe and destroys it. Mm-hmm. And um, I did not have any other uh, pipes like laying around at the time. So I just put like a stock pipe on it. And like, it was all right. It was like playing with a stock pipe. It was kind of meh. But yeah. then like, um, the stock pipe basically like there's like that bolt that holds the baffle on in the back. And like, it basically kind of just like fell apart over the course of a ride. So I just like took the pipe off and like, I realized that it was faster with no pipe at all than it was with the stock <laughs> pipe. So. That's crazy. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah, that was the pipe I was running for most of it. Um, yeah, I I want to try and figure out like getting that weld back up again, just because there's a pretty badass pipe. It would still pull to like probably like I think um, when I had shorter gearing, it was revving out to like over thirteen. But like even with like tall ass gearing, like eighteen thirty five, nineteen thirty five, it would still pull to like twelve four, which is like pretty up there still. So, but that's when it's doing like the seventy eight, like close to eighty miles an hour. Yeah, that's um, wild. What was what was the gear you, you, that you brought with you? Um, I had a thirty five on the rear, but like I basically had it set up so I could just add a master link and like a like a <laughs> link in between, so that we could go from like fourteen to a sixteen to an eighteen, all pretty easily on the side of the road without like having to adjust my rear wheel or anything. Okay. So, like that, day one, that's what I was doing was uh, eighteen thirty five, and that's when I was like hitting like that seventy eight eighty whatever it was. Um, but then the next day for the mountains and stuff or getting a little bit hillier, um, I went down to 1635 and then I was still getting like a, a hair over 70 with that. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I'm kind of fighting clutch issues more and more, it's like, then I go down to like a 1435, trying to make it a little bit easier on the clutch. 
Um, but I, I was still fighting shit either way. So <laughs> I do like that idea though. Like I know being able to change your gearing is a great reason to have an E50 or, or a bike that has gears. Yeah. And like that, especially for a pinball run or something like that, where you're dealing with different, like, you know, elevation and, you know, I was like always trying to wonder like how people would do it if they would just have like a sprocket and like a full chain or if, you know, for each one or if they were like adding links and like, you yeah. know, I was like, I was like, what's, I, I was trying to start in my mind because I've always thought about doing the, doing the race and I'm like, oh, which, which would be better having like a full set of chain for each sprocket or just adding in and out for the one chain. Yeah. Well, like I was just rocking the one chain because then like in my onboard, like little tool pack, like I could just have the sprocket. And then like a couple of links, like I think when I had 1835 on there, I had like three master links on the chain. Whereas when I was down to like 14, I only had the one. So it's just like just being able to have switch in a link is a lot. It's a lot smaller than having to carry around a whole chain just for that. True. Yeah. What about the, the porting? Cause I know you said you already had that one cylinder ripping. Like it was always another question I always had for like other riders or, or at least that I would think about in my mind. Would you, did you already have the second cylinder ported to match the first one or was it just I, a fresh kit that you hadn't even ran yet? I ran it for the first time on the trip. Yeah. Um, like I got it from dose like a week or two before, just so like I figured might as well have a backup. Um, yeah. Um, it was pretty much fresh out the box. Like I put it on like earlier in like, um, you know, it's like day four or something like that. But then I figured out that like, um, Fred from like Team Meat in Boston, he actually like went through and like drilled out one of like the my exhaust stud that snapped off and like retapped it and stuff. It was awesome. So like once after I got that figured out, I went and put my old cylinder back on mm-hmm. just to, like take advantage of the, the good port again shit. Yeah. And then um, once the other stud <laughs> fell off like a day or two <laughs> later, then I went back to the stock cylinder to the, to the, the factory EA cylinder. Yeah. Um, yeah. as far as backups and preparation for the race, what did you have as far as extra parts and gear? Um, so I had the, the cylinder that was on the motor. I had that fresh one and that was all I had for cylinders. I had, um, uh, I had an MBR piston and the, and the, you know, on the bike. I had another spare one of those. Um, there was a piston that came with the new gear kit too. Um, I had probably like uh, seven or eight clutches ready to go, um, but like they all kind of had the same issue that I kept running into. Like the, I was running the KTM uh, clutches and I kept breaking the springs on them. Okay, which is like I don't know. That was something that like I feel like I w- would have been able to figure out had I tested more on like the highway before heading out there and stuff. Just because like I've been running those for the last couple of years and like my street bikes and they were, they were pretty good. Like I, I, I liked them. That's why I brought them. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I think just having the extended engagement period of like highway blasting like that, just like, if it just like ruined the temper on the springs or like yeah, my clutch too, too stiff something. maybe for, for that kind of riding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like once it's engaged, like it should be like fine, but like, I'm not figure if they're just getting compressed that whole time. I wonder if that just is too much for them. Cause it's those, literally like hours holding wide open throttle the whole time yeah um yeah what what's your what's your preference on e50 clutches the ktm Um, or have you have you tried all the different ones that are out right now 
I do need to try the claw clutch. I've heard, I've seen a lot of good shit about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not tried that one yet. Um, but I think all the bikes I have either have like a two or a three shoe or the KTM. Um, just because like KTM's like 15 bucks and like welding to get the, the bell up, the KTM belt to the poop gear, like that's not too hard. Um, I feel like that's the, the price versus performance ratio is pretty good there. Yeah. Um, I haven't really fucked with the jammers too much. Um, I have seen a lot of people where they're just like stripping out the pads and stuff pretty quick. So like I imagine that I would probably have the same issue with that. Um, I'm trying to think like, yeah, yeah, that's probably what I like for clutches, like for like gear sets and stuff. Um, I do like the straight cut gears. I was having an issue for a while where like the, um, the clutch bell would pop off its circlip and then start dragging on the clutch when I was running like the, the regular like stock, like angle cut gears. Mm-hmm. And once I switched to the straight cuts, like that wasn't really an issue anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, I've tried like the, the VDM straight cuts and the treat straight cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the treats ones, like they are like super nice and they are a lot nicer, but like, um, out of the box, it's, I feel like there's more modifications I have to do to them. Cause like they come with like a, um, the bushing in the clutch bell and like when i first put that on there i ended up seizing the bushing to the crank like three times before i decided mm. like fuck this um, so then I went needle bearing. yep yeah and then the thing that was happening after that was like the gear would start kind of walking out of the clutch bell so like you got to get that welded there too um whereas like the vdm sets it's like um it seems like they're a little bit more robust um i haven't like tried a whole lot with well, um, what I've done with them is just get like the gear and like weld that to a clutch bell where I haven't tried like getting the, the bell gear combo direct from them, but like, that's something I want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, that kind of ended up being like one of like my downfalls, like within bakers is cause like, um, so I started off with like the VDM, uh, gear set in there and I had like a KTM bell and like on, uh, that day three, like that was like my first like kind of repair for the day. Is like I broke the weld on my clutch bell gear, and um, so I switched that out for a different uh, clutch setup that I had the same gear, which ended up being like a Tomar that I had for like a track bike. Mm-hmm. And then um, and basically everything's cool after that for a little bit. Then shortly after that, like I guess at some point, like the drain plug. Uh, at the bottom of the case, I decided to leave. So I started like running my transmission dry and then like, like in it locks up the needle bearing on the clutch bell and just like there, it's like trying to take it apart and like realize like I, this isn't really saveable with what I have right here. Oh, man. So then from there, that's when I decided to rebuild to switch to a different gear set. How many, um, how many cranks did you have? Um, four. <laughs> yeah, I think four. And I ended up blowing two of them just because, like, um, the, the second one was kind of dumb on me just because, like, I went to, like, retard my timing and I retarded it the wrong way and actually advanced it. And, like, during, like, the test run, like, that evening when I was making those adjustments, everything was cool. But then, like, the next day, like, back in, it just blows the big end on the creek after we get down the road a little bit. So, but. I know that's another thing that I learned. So I've been like using like forge pistons and stuff, uh, like the MBR forge pistons. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas before, like with like the cast pistons that come with the kits and shit, like um, 
normally when I'd be having like detonation issues or like from too much advance, it would probably blow the piston, you know, it's like I can kind of melt the piston a little bit and like and cease from there. But now with the forged pistons, I wasn't really having that issue anymore. And it would just blow the big end on the crank instead. So mm. that was kind of a shitty lesson to learn. Yeah. Which, uh, which would you prefer? Would you, would you rather replace the piston or, or maybe oh, have totally. a bunch of shit explode and end up in the bottom? Or would you rather just destroy the crank right away? <laughs> um, I think for like bakers, I would have rather have just done like the piston. I think for like local stuff, um, like just being able to uh, like local stuff where it isn't really like a time crunch like that. Mm-hmm. Like being able to replace the crank and stuff is like that's probably better. But like or I don't know, crankshaft is more expensive, so I would rather blow a piston than a crank all day. True. Yeah. Yeah, I just know sometimes, you, especially if you have like really bad detonation, you get like the, like a full hole, and you just have carnage inside of your motor. Then you have like yeah. those little bits that destroy the top of your head, yep. and they, you're you know your now your dome's all fucked yeah. up. You got to fix the head, and you got to fix the crank or replace it anyway. Yeah. yeah, the aluminum dust that's everywhere now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think like what else I had for issues and shit like that. But yeah, it was mostly just like. Oh, the other thing that kind of threw me for the loop on day one was um, just uh, the oil that I was running. So I had been running like castor oil and uh, like the Maxima 927. And I've been running that like locally, like the last couple of years and stuff. And hadn't really had any issues with like crazy buildup or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Back in day one, like my first stop there was like um, basically like the ring had kind of just like carboned itself into the piston. Like it didn't even seize or anything like that. It was kind of lost compression. Um, but then like stop, pull it over, like take the top end off and like dig the ring back out and like take some sandpaper through the ring land real quick, clean it out. And then like finish it up for the rest of the day. And then like we're in rapid city. So it's like, we have a bunch of like motorsports stores there. Like thankfully. So I go through and like pick up a bunch more like synthetic oil instead of the castor oil. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like, like uh like from Jim's podcast that like uh I think Team Meat had that same issue with the uh, carbon buildup because of the oil they were running and sticking rings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like that's one of those things like I would not have discovered that issue unless like you're tuning for like hours of wide open throttle. Yeah, that's such a weird like that's such a weird like uh problem like that no one in a in a regular moped community is gonna like realize that situation like oh this oil just doesn't burn off <laughs> yeah yeah it's like yeah. May- maybe you know after you finally destroy your bike and miles and miles and miles and years or whatever riding you kind of finally take it apart and you look in there like oh man this uh this head and this piston's got some build up on there and you kind of notice it then but like we're not, no one's really putting on the miles or the or the hours at wide open to like even see that. Yeah. Now, like, now what else is I running? Um, so I had a TM24 on there, and it was like the V4 reeds, and um, I had like hand cut my own reeds out of like a 0.4 millimeter like cleaning paper instead of like the stock V force ones, mm-hmm. and I feel like that helped it breathe a little bit better. It's like that. I know when I had that. On my piston port derby, that helped a lot with like some of the mid range gurgle. Um, yeah, the other trick I was running on the TM24 is I got like that, right? Like Bregason, like adjustable jet that you can adjust with, like just from a knob on the outside of the bowl. Hmm. 
So that was pretty cool, actually. It's like being able to like reach down and like, oh, I've gone up a hill and now the bike is kind of bogging down a little bit. And it's like, I can like fuck with your jetting a little bit at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> it's like, that was pretty cool. But it was also like easy to kind of like, kind of lose my spot a little bit on it. And it's like, now it's like, you just got to do tiny adjustments at that. It's easy to get make too big of adjustments and kind of lose your spot. And then you're like, why the fuck is this bogging down now? Yeah. But then like you pull over and kind of find what, your home base again. What kind of, so, what kind of range of adjustment does that, does that have? I think it's like anywhere from like, uh, 80 to 300. That's pretty for, big like, adjustment. <laughs> yeah. And that's like across like two revolutions. So it's like, a little movement is a pretty big jump. Damn. So. Yeah, I always wondered how those things were. If they if they made them in like you know small increments, like oh this you can adjust up to like you know two size two sizes or ten sizes or you know ten jet jumps. Yeah. But like that's a huge difference. Yeah, I I think I would have preferred to have it a little bit more like smaller jumps. But like I don't know, being able to adjust your jetting on the fly is awesome either way. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was um, looking at those like smart carbs recently. Uh, since like uh, uh this guy, we had Craig on. I can't think his name was Craig. Yeah, we had Craig Scott on. He went down and raced the guys down in Florida, and he was running the smart yeah. carb. And I was like, so yeah. it kind of made me want to like. I started watching some YouTube videos on the smart carb, and I'm like, man, that thing's that thing's pretty cool. I think especially for bigger dozen, some race like where you guys have a lot of the elevation change, and that carb yeah. like, auto tunes for like elevation. I'm like, dude, that would have been like a sick move yeah totally yeah i mean 600 bucks on a carb is like yeah i'm not <laughs> it's hard it's a hard sell it's a hard sell for sure yeah yeah i've seen like everybody's like had one says like it's from in, like the moto forms and shit like they seem like they're probably worth it but like is it worth it that much more than like a 120 dollar car <laughs> yeah exactly you know? it's like you buy yeah. a whole a whole uh, carb brand new carbs for every bike in your garage <laughs> for the price of this one carb <laughs> yeah exactly yeah what's up with yeah. the um your your transmission side you're running like uh like an overflow or oversize oh so that was initially supposed to be like kind of a water cooler for my transmission um i have like a kind of like a chiller coil in there that i was going to be like circulating coolant through um but then like the day before we were going to load up like so i had like hardline like pipe coming out of it like a little like 316 like stainless steel pipe mm -hmm. and um that broke off the day before we were supposed to go because otherwise i was going to run like water through that go into a little radiator setup that i had just to kind of like circulate water through there and like keep the, the oil cooler um because i figured if i'm going to be slipping the clutch up like up some giant ass mountains and stuff trying to keep that as cool as possible um but so like the, the cooling setup didn't really work as like I wanted it to just because I broke that thing off. But either way, it's still like a giant reservoir of fluid on there. So like I think like stock E50 fluid is like eight ounces or something like that. And I was able to get like 20 ounces in there. So it's like even if it, I'm not like actively like cooling it, it's still just so much more fluid in there to keep it cool. Yeah. Um, I know so, I've seen like the, uh, the, the, Mr., the Mr. Ice Cool that's for yeah, sale on dose yeah that's it's got the cooler with the fins and like you know the overflow and i think they're running like something crazy like like way more fluid than like normal <laughs> yeah well it was cool too because like um the dude who just dined though like adam, adam rigsby from boston like 
he actually went on Baker's too. Like he was uh, the team too soon on the Tomos. And I'm like, just getting to talk with him about like kind of E50 and like how like this is like keeping this cool, like is a solution to so many of these issues. Like, I don't know, he talked me into ordering one, so I'm getting one of those in the mail pretty soon, and I'm looking forward to that. So yeah. that'll be cool. And if you guys you guys want want one, check it out. Uh, just go to DoseCycles.com. It's a Pook E50 Mr. Cool Ice Transmission Cooler. It's uh, yeah. $249.99, and it comes with everything you need, except yeah. for, like, the overflow shit. But you can get that on your own. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. And then I think, uh, I think I've also seen, like, people run – like the the ice cool the Mr. Ice Cool like spacer and then the uh the treats overflow like over overfill like a uh, clutch cover side which is yeah you know it, it seemed like a sick setup to me like uh, I think one of the boys in QCB has that set up with the uh with that claw clutch and he's like ripping off the line just as hard as a variated bike so I'm like right. gotta be doing something right yeah yeah and that's the thing. You give me fifty set up right, like it'll it'll still fucking eat some health. Yeah. yeah. Not, not all of them, but but if you get it just right. Yeah. Well, it's like yeah, day one, especially like having like the tall gearing for Baker's. It's like my clutch had gone out probably like a uh, hundred miles or so in, so I'm just like kind of like nursing it through town, just waiting for the next hill until I can finally get into the pipe and blast. But like we get to the Rapid City and like up to Jenny Ray's house, and her house is up like a giant hill. And, um, my bike just wouldn't do it. It just, it just wouldn't go anymore. So like hop off and like, I'd been in like race tuck for the last four hours. So I'm like, like, just, like hobbling and like can barely walk. <laughs> my brother like hops out of the van and pushes it the last half mile back up to Jenny Ray's house. So that was cool. Pushing it, pushing it into the finish line and still got first through the day. Oh, that's funny, man. <laughs> That's always something I like. I think about too, because I said like you know, most, I feel like most teams their first thought is on comfort, and and I remember when my homies in Black Black did it, they they had the Cobra and their their plan was to full tuck and full throttle the entire race. So yeah. you know that you kind of want the same move, and I'm just like, how does it feel to ride a bike for 200 plus miles like in full tuck form? <laughs> Like how hard I mean, was it on your body day after day? It was not comfortable, but like uh, I was able to get. Uh, I was after day one. I was doing some stretches and stuff in the morning, kind of preparing myself for it. Um, I don't know. It's not comfortable, but like it's like this is what it needs if you want to do that. If you're trying to get your bike to go like seventy plus and like stay that way for like an extended period of time, then like this is one of the things that will help with that. Yeah. So I'm just tucking down behind the fairing and shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do this to myself and I'm used to it. <laughs> what would be some modifications you would make for next year? Now that you've done it, like how would you prepare differently? I think that I would probably like organize my spares a lot better and get it. So like everything is like matching sets for that. Um, so that way if like this component blows and like, then I can switch it out with another one of the same thing instead of having to switch like whole gear sets. Um, yeah, there's other research I'd want to do, just like figuring out like a different like, like the, the the springs on the clutch. Like that was fighting me the whole time. Like I should have done a little bit more research on that before I left. But I was just like busy with work and shit. Um, in terms of the bike, I do think probably having a suspension and stuff would probably be a pretty good way to go. 
I mean, I've done it on rigid. I've proven it to myself. That's all I need to do. So I figure like having a suspension on it is going to mean it's going to handle that much better at speed and just be that much more comfortable and like stable. Cause like basically if like you run into anything, like you hit over a little like chuck hole on the road or something like you're catching air. Like I remember one time, like I ran over a two by four, at, like probably 60 something. And I'm like, I caught a little bit of air with that. And it's like, it's kind of hold on and don't lose it. Yeah. Definitely a, a <laughs> high, high pucker moment. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'd probably like switch up the seat setup, just do like a different foam or thing like that, something like that. Um, I don't know. Like doing like the cruiser setup, just like seeing like Team Meats bike. It's like they had like that Black Hobbit that was set up with like the sissy bar and like the fairing, and, like the cruiser total cruiser status. Like mm-hmm. you can like literally like recline on that bike. Yeah, I remember back, like having, multiple feet locations. Yeah, I remember like passing Cowboy at one point, and like he had like did the spot on their forks where you can kind of like rest your legs up on the forks and just fully extend your legs. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's the comfortable way for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's extreme end of, of the opposite of you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'd do it again. Like if I do it again on the rigid, I'd probably do a little bit more frame reinforcement just cause like, some of those welds like i'm still kind of trusting that like it was the good welder that day at the pook factory (laughs) um i don't know um you did ride every day correct pretty much yeah there's like the the day um i think it was like day four i didn't ride at all just because like that had been like a long ass day before and like that was the day we decided to load it up in the van and stuff and like we didn't get back to the spot until probably like midnight or so. So I'm just like, I'm just going to take a day, hang out with the crew, hang out with the girlfriend, my brother and stuff. And like, we're just going to go check out Yellowstone, just like relax for a day. Yeah. So, but like then every day after that, like, um, I would get the bike going and pretty much ride it until it broke. But then like, I was kind of over like fucking with it on the side of the road, which isn't really super Baker's Baker's dozen me, but like, it was also like, I don't know, fuck with the back of the campsite when I'm not stressing about it and I'm not like having traffic blast me at like 60 miles an hour. Yeah. So how'd you, um, how did the moment go for you deciding to DNF? Um, so we were at the top of some mountain and it was like in the Bighorn mountain ranges. And, um, I had just blown my crankshaft and the next town was probably like 20 minutes, like half hour away or so. And this is like probably like seven thirty ish at night. And so, uh, Tom Weeks was with us and like, he's super cool. Like he decided to ride along with us that day. So him and the girlfriend hop in the van and go driving the town and go get some food and stuff. And, um, by the time they're coming back up the mountain, like it's getting dark and like, it's the side of a mountain and it's super dark and there's no lights and it's windy as shit and the road's bumpy as fuck. And like, they're basically like, just, it just didn't really feel that safe to go back down on it, especially like if I was going to be fighting the bike and like tuning it in and was like just trying to limp it along, then doing that again for another like two hours to get to the spot. Um, I don't know. It just didn't feel safe, you know? Yeah. It was one of those things like, what's, just got to be smart about this. So, yeah. Remember, race is yeah. one thing, but flying off mountains another. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was kind of the hard truth of the evening. But, like, I don't know. We're still here. Yeah. Well, that's cool, yeah. man. Like, you bit the bullet. You fucking you still had fun along the way. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. It's still just, like, all the teams this year are awesome. And it's still just, like, going to all these different spots and all these different national parks and all these awesome campsites and shit. And it's, like, hanging out with these awesome people. And it's, like, traveling the country. It's, like, even if, like, I'm not being competitive in this anymore. Like, this is still fucking awesome, you know? And it's, it's still, like, I can make this a good time if I want it to be, you know? Yeah. So it's just kind of like the mindset at that point. Like, am I going to let, like, my bike fucking with me? Like, am I going to get butthurt about that? Or am I here to have a good time? Like, this is vacation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I know, like, at school, too, it's like, you know, if anything, you can you can, you can can say you did it. You, you wrote it. You did a lot that a lot of other people couldn't do. And those first couple of days out with you pushing it as hard as you did definitely put the pressure on other riders. So yeah. it definitely makes it competitive. Like whether you finish or not, like how hard you went those first couple of days made it, you know, made the other teams probably have to like step up or like, you know, really kind of yeah. keep an eye on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like just talking with some of the other teams and just like, I don't know. I, I feel like each year I, I feel like the speeds are just going to be getting higher and higher. And I feel like it's going to be cool to kind of see what next year is going to look like. Just like if people are going through more like a higher speed or like option like I did, or if it's like just trying to stick to the reliable thing. Cause I mean, like that's what won, you know, indestructible um, 45 mile an hour bike <laughs> that never, yeah. that never has to stop. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like comfort, with a ton of gas, they can hit 45 and not stop all day, every day. I think that's yeah. like <laughs> the, the, the tortoise, you know, the tortoise that won the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hell yeah. Like, uh, what would some of the recommendations you would be for someone else trying to do Baker's Dozen next year? Um, I would say just like check out the route as much as you can ahead of time and like kind of build your bike for the route, I guess. I mean, I'm not, I don't know about that actually. Like, I don't know that I really did that, but I mean, I kind of did it in a way just like being able to change the gears for like different, like, like we're going to hit a mountain today. I'm going to gear short as shit. Whereas like this day is going to be like a whole bunch of flat and downhill. I can gear taller for this and like take advantage of that top speed that I wouldn't be able to get like with regular, like sh- shorter gearing. Um, yeah. Building your bike, like, I don't know. I feel like anybody who's doing Bakers, it's like, it's a, it's a purpose built bike at this point. Like you're putting on all like these extra tanks and like goofy seats and stuff and like stuff you can do to make it as comfortable as you can for the long haul. Um, I don't know. Just like, I feel like when I was kind of coming up with this, I was kind of studying some of the bikes from before. It's like, there was one like, uh, yeah, like that, that one pinball bike that, um, I don't know if it was like a, yeah, I think he said it was like a Cobra or something like that, but it had like a full fairing on the front. And like they said, they hit like 72 or something like on it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's in my head that stuck out to me. as like, this is one of the secrets. If you're going to try and like go for like that higher top end like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like getting all the spares in order and stuff and like having plenty of stuff and like kind of having the plan and like, um, having all the shit like ready to go when it breaks. Um, cause that was something that I was kind of fighting too. It's like, um, 
I brought like a assembled spare motor, but like that I had planned on like just stripping parts off as needed. Um, and it would have been smarter to just have that all apart to begin with. Yeah. Um, that, um, getting the right crew and stuff is like, that's, that's the biggest thing. You got to be able to get along with these people, especially like when they're like in whatever, like weird, like stressful situation, trying to rebuild your shit on the side of the road, Yeah, you know, I'm like, like they got to be up to be bored <laughs> in, in the middle of nowhere from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. And long, long days. It's going to, it's like, it's definitely grueling for the riders, but it's, but it's gotta be grueling for the chase team as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like, it was fun. Like the, like the first couple of days, it's like the, my chase van was like, they were like struggling to catch up with me, you know, but it was like, um, the next couple of days, like after that, like after I was kind of like into like some of the reserve parts and the bikes being funny and shit and it's cruising at like 50 miles an hour. And it's like, this is like, this could be kind of a drag going like 50 miles an hour, like all day long, like this, especially after like cruising 75. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know. I mean, that's part of it though. It's like you're on the highways, you're, you're there for the ride. You know, it's yeah. cool. I know one last thing. I know you said like, you know, you were always at the last out of, out of town every day. Like, what was that feeling like when you were like clipping people off? like along the way. Like, I feel like sometimes on, on a race like this, it doesn't always feel like a race because you, cause you get stretched out and you're far away from other people or you might be taking a different route. But I feel like, you know, if, if you're starting off with a bike that's really geared tall and you're cl- catching up and clipping people off, I, have, I feel like that's got to be like exhilarating. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, like, just like fucking getting out of town and being like, it made it this far and now it's like you finally get like onto some highway and it starts to kind of pick up and then like you catch up with like the first little pack of like a couple of people and you, you get past them and then it's like from there it's kind of spread out and i remember like just passing them and then it's like cruising for a while and it's like i'm in front now what the fuck <laughs> you know <laughs> cool shit. but then at that point it's like just hold on to it just tuck in and just go just go until like we're, we'd already planned out like we're gonna stop here for gas this is where we're gonna fuel up and then we're gonna keep on going and it ended up like um i ended up stopping there to kind of that's when i kind of did that top end rebuild to unstick that ring and um it was fun too because like the the team that was behind me um was one of the the boston teams uh the urban decay mm-hmm. like they passed me and then it's like oh shit I'm going to be able to catch up again. And then like, there was a little bit of like wheel to wheel action for a little bit where I'm like, I'm right in front of like their chase van, like gaining on like the bike and stuff. And it's like, we're like going up a hill and it's like kind of neck and neck for a little bit. Then like, once I hit the downhill, I'm just gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was cool. That's sick. As far as, ah, oh, man, I, I can, I can keep going forever. All these things. Cause I, cause I, cause I'm generally interested in like, the bakers and the race and like all the things that go into it. Uh, as far as those top end rebuilds and stuff you had, the, did your bike have tools on it or were you solely relying on your chase for your, for your tools and your backup parts? I had all the, all, I had like a pretty good amount of tools in my bag, like ready to go for that. And I had like sprockets and spare clutch and stuff. Um, but like the pistons and a little bit of stuff for like the more like top end rebuild stuff that was all in the van. Um, but for the most part, like when I stopped, like I was like able to get the top end off and like get the piston off and kind of start cleaning that out and everything. 
and then like Chase Van shows up pretty shortly after and throw a new ring in and we're good. Yeah. So I feel like that's a part yeah. of it too. Like having your chase, you know, actually being close. I know sometimes like you see it on the glimpse and the chase is, you know, way behind the, the rider and you're like, well, how, how's that work if something goes wrong? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a big part of the, the race of it, you know? I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I appreciated that, like, like my girlfriend driving the van, um, she'd probably stay, like, a couple of miles back just because, like, um, that way if, like, cars were, like, getting, like, passing her around her, that way they didn't have to, like, try and pass me at the same time and, like, trying to, like, crowd my lane. Like, mm-hmm. cars coming up behind me, they could see, like, me pretty clearly at least. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, like, it was all, like, if I broke down, they were there within five minutes. Nice. So that was that was pretty nice, especially because like I'm like, what the fuck was going on with the bike and everything like that, and like just being able to get a drink of water from the van and everything was pretty handy. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's rad, man. Yeah, but I don't know for like stuff that I kept on the bike, it was just a little like toolkit, and then like had another. So I just had like two fanny packs that I kept strapped around the gas tank. One of them had all my tools and stuff in it, and the other one I just had a whole bunch of oil in and like the auxiliary, like phone battery thing to keep the phone charged with flints mm-hmm. on it. Um, yeah. Did you rock I mean, any I, kind of uh, like Senna, like helmet mm-hmm. setup where you could like listen to music or something, kind of keep your mind like you know um, in it in, away yeah. from drifting <laughs> in a, on a, such a long ride? <laughs> I did not. I bought like a pair of like nice little like noise canceling headphones that I was like planning on listening to like music with, mm. but I ended up not doing that. Um, just cause like I kind of spaced putting them in on day one and like I was just kind of focused on like listening to the bike and stuff and like just the way that bike is. I mean, you, the road is like a hundred percent of it but all the time. Like you got to be reading that cause it's like if you like, I've been on like that bike before, like before I built it up to this when it was just like a regular rigid and like just cruising with like one hand on the bars and like I hit a bump and fucking lose it and wipe out, yeah. you know? So it's like with it being how it is, like it's a hundred percent attention all the time. Yeah. So it was like, it was, I was ready to get off the bike when the day was over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your body's just like definitely high strung the whole ride. <laughs> oh Yeah. Yeah. Dialed in, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Being on edge, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the original bike will do that to you, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, like I do this myself. Yeah. I think there's cool, it is something cool to be said about like these bikes. Cause like we, we go to moped rallies and everyone's enjoying mm-hmm. mopeds and we're all doing this thing that we love. And you, you go ride and maybe the, the, maybe the, the the hardest rally you're at might do a hundred miles, you know, yeah. in, a, in a whole day with a couple stops and hangouts that take way too long. And so you're never banging out like, you know, a hundred, 200 miles in like in one clip or one go. So it's yeah. really cool to see like anyone who's doing one of these races and like watching them push it to the limit. Cause I don't, I don't know. Like I've been in mopeds a real long time and I don't know how much I would trust holding my bike wide open for, for forever. Like yeah. <laughs> there are definitely those moments where I'm holding it wide open. I'm just like, ah, I might want to back off. Yeah. And like, it takes a lot to really like take the time to dial these bikes in and tune them. So they're not going to just explode like, you know, an hour in. Yeah. 
Well, it's like at some point, it's like I'm basically just going to hold this open until it doesn't go anymore. I mean, that's kind of like what it was. It's like I'm either like trying to go or else I'm fixing it, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's like I hadn't really done anything that long before. It's like I've gone some longer rides and stuff like that, but like just even like rallies and stuff, it's like you're kind of cruising with a pack and stuff. So it's like you aren't like full RPM for hours on end. Yeah. It's like you're like sometimes you're blasting, sometimes you're cruising, you let the pack catch up and everything, you kind of sink to the back and you blast to the front again. Like that shit's fun. Like I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. It's just a different beast. And like, I don't know. I just, I'm going into it for the next time. I feel like I'll have a much better idea of like what to prepare for, I guess, or like how to tune it for that. Yeah. Dude, I don't know how to tune it for that. That's for sure. (laughs) 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 Like I love my mopeds, man, but like, I I don't, I don't know which one I got that I can just hold it wide open for forever. Maybe that should be like a maybe that should be like a challenge, like a group ride, you know, in every city. Like, all right, guys, we're going out Saturday for like, you know, let's see who see who blows up first. Like, you know, you got a start point and an end point. I think it'd be fun, like a fun like ride for any like you know t- town or group. Cool. Today we're doing like a Saturday event. There's gonna be a a start point. There's gonna be an end point. We're gonna see who gets there first, and we will bring <laughs> and we will bring a chase for all the bikes who don't make it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, remember, um, there's this dude out of like Lincoln. who's like, an, it's like another little town near, uh, well, not that's another city near Omaha. And, um, there's this dude, uh, Matt Maloke out of there and he'd built up a Magnum that did like, um, he had a thread out of Muppet army a couple of years back where he did like 77.6 miles an hour on that. And like, he, it was basically the same setup, like Gila TM 24. And, um, he's saying you can just basically just hold that thing wide open until it runs out of gas. And like, that was basically other than the issues that I ran into, like that was my experience. So that's like Gila for like as powerful as it is. It's also like pretty, I don't know if conservative is the right word, but like, it's pretty like controllable, I guess. Like Mm -hmm. you set it up right and then it'll just keep going until everything else fails. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's it man I definitely want to put it to the test we'll see <laughs> yeah uh-huh. well thanks for coming on dude I really appreciate it yeah thank you for having me it's been cool talking yeah it's like, uh, good to kind of meet you I know we, we haven't crossed paths at like rallies and stuff you know that's you know uh, the cool thing about the, about the community like the, we're all in the same thing and, and the country's so big and like people kind of go where they go and we meet the same peoples but not everyone crosses paths we're all like the same you know yeah yeah i'm not definitely gonna get out to like some more east coast stuff like it'd be cool it's just it's a drive yeah understandable for sure (laughs) it's all about the midwest like you know midwest is close like you know people can make it in the middle somewhere and that's why that nashville rally was so cool to me like it was like a good central locations where like a lot of people from the East coast and a lot of people from the South and the Midwest could all kind of like make it to the yeah. same spot without having to drive like 20 hours. Yeah. I fucked up missing that one. That would have been a cool one to go to. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's always the thing too. It's like, kind of like fly out somewhere, but then you're on like a loner, which is, which is still like super cool. Like 
just like being able to like ride around on somebody else's bike in a new city and just hang out with an awesome crew. But like, part of me is like, ah, if I can put all this time in to building like a badass blaster bike, I want to be riding that blaster and blasting all these people at rallies. Yeah, <laughs> that is a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cool too if you get like a loner that rips. Like I've I've been on a loner before that was like rad bike. I was like, oh, this loner's fucking killing it right now, dude. That's like, <laughs> I'm glad I got this bike. But you know, yeah, it's yeah, also been those rallies where like, you know, you give someone a loaner, you bring a loaner and, and it dies and you're like, ah, you feel really shitty. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't um, want to, you know, put someone on a bike and then have them break down and it makes you feel like bummed out. <laughs> yeah. No. But then, it, but then again, it's mopeds, you know, it's like, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, everybody was like, if you're going that far, if you're flying out, like, you know what you're getting into. You know how it is. And, like, you're going to, you can make up your mind to have a good time regardless of what bike you're on. True. I, I got a loaner once. It was a stock, it was a stock fucking free spirit with a pipe. <laughs> and like, it was the slowest bike at the rally. Uh, like, <laughs> but it was great. It didn't break down. I just, like, you know, yeah. I was in the back. And, like, whenever they'd stop, I'd get to the front. There you go. <laughs> and then I'd make sure I took off before they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hell yeah man well thanks for coming on dude i, re- I really appreciate it again um you want to tell everyone where they can uh find you on social media um facebook is jordan utex um instagram is commander.salamander and i got a couple of my builds on there um uh, that's probably about it i mean uh, my moped army name is hooter i got some of my build threads on there too um yeah so yeah, there's like the the Derby like build a lot thread is on there. Like that one's pretty cool. A bunch of weird machine work on that. Um, yeah, it's kind of the regular stuff. Instagram, Facebook, Muppet Army. <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, yeah. you got rad builds, so you know, make sure you guys check him out, dude. His his you know Instagram's cool. The bikes are cool. The Facebook shit's cool. Like you know, you're doing rad shit, dude. Keep it up. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. And hopefully, you know, hopefully our paths do cross sometime, dude. We can uh, be real life, real life buds. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I look forward to it. Hell yeah, dude. All right, later, bro. Yep, take care. Thanks. Cool. Thank you guys for listening. That's another week of the Moped Monday podcast. Damn. Um, yeah, dude. It shit's going good. Um, we got some rallies coming up. I know. Uh, second chase second chance just had a episode about the mosquito fleet rally coming up and that's gonna be the same weekend as legion so i know legion uh and and that are gonna be two great rallies i know i'm gonna split the country a little bit i'm gonna be hitting that legion rally and i know we got some homies coming out i got some boys from black Rock flying out from the west coast so i'm like getting pumped for that gotta try to like figure out some loader stitches for the boys you know get the bikes together and then that's it man like loving mopeds i'm gonna try to like get some things going over here get some bikes running get some stuff popping off but you guys are in your scene and it's monday so get out and ride man happy moped monday later boys fuck your car ride a moped so um what are your favorite moped sounds I don't know, like touch and fly, was it moving? Like, no, nah, it feels pretty locked up. Sounds like a fuck, dude. Oh boy! Wop, wop, wop. You fucking boy.